How's everybody doing this morning? Good. We're concluding, like Karen said, we're concluding our series, uh, Counterculture. And the whole concept of this whole series has been, as a, Christ, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, we are not called to base how we live uh, by the world's standards, by even what culture says is acceptable or how you should do it. We are called to live by how Jesus calls us to live. And in interacting with the world, that, that can be difficult sometimes. So we want to live counter to culture. And our tagline through this whole series is that, that when you lean into Jesus, Jesus changes everything. everything. I knew we were going to get it by the last week. I knew we were going to get there. You, know, you probably only have one more chance to say it, so just be ready, okay? You know, one, uh, and today... As we read through those Beatitudes, you can kind of see that these teachings from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, this first um, section of it, the Beatitudes, the attitudes we strive to be, the, the first group of them is things that we control, that we can control, being, we, can, we can be pursue being a peacemaker, we can pursue being pure of heart, we can pursue all these things, and then we get to this verse in Matthew 5, blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This almost comes across as a warning. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake. And I, I know we kind of had some fun with this tagline of Jesus changing everything about us, but if we're going to be ready for this, if we're going to be able to live through persecution and find the blessing in it, it really only happens when there's a complete transformation in us, where Jesus really changes everything in us. And my hope is, is that we continue to allow this. And I just wanna say before we get going anymore with this passage, it's an interesting pivot from last week. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's a, that's a fun one to preach. Blessed are the persecuted? Blessed are the persecuted? I don't know about you. But there's very few times in my life where something hard or persecution or anything like that has happened to me, and I've just been like, woo, this is great. I want more of this. Blessed, it means the word blessed there is honored or shown favor. Honored are the persecuted. Now, before we jump into this, we're going to talk a lot about what persecution is. We're going to have a section in this uh, sermon today. We're going to talk about three ways that persecution can look, and then we're going to talk about how we should prepare and respond for persecution. But before we do that, when it comes to persecution, there's a couple, there's a couple of misconceptions. We, because we, sometimes, if we're honest, we can throw a lot of things that happen to us in the persecution realm and say it's persecution when it's really not. So there's just two real quick things to make sure we're on the same page. When it comes to persecution, discomfort is not the same as persecution. Being made uncomfortable is not persecution. You know, it's just not. I mean, maybe some of you today, you know, the parking lot was pretty full. And you had to park up at the top of the parking lot. And when you were walking in, you were saying, I'm persecuted. I'm facing persecution for this walk. Just discomfort. Discomfort is not the same as persecution. When we are made to feel uncomfortable, doesn't mean persecution. And the second thing, disagreement is not the same as persecution. Just because someone disagrees with you 
doesn't mean it's persecution. Just because there's a disagreement, maybe in how we live, what we believe, how we should live, doesn't mean it's persecution. We have to remember this because we can sometimes lump a lot of stuff into this persecution ball. And for us to really be prepared and be blessed and honored and favored through this, we have to really understand what it is. This passage here in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 11, it's speaking to two specific groups of people. And Jesus says this, blessed are the persecuted. First, he's speaking to the, the current disciples, the ones who are going to go and start the church after he ascends to heaven. He's speaking to those who will start the church that we stand on. And it says this in Matthew 5, verse 11, the very next passage. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Blessed are you when people revile you. It's weird. Blessed are people you when they lie about you. When they say evil things. He's saying this to the disciples, almost preparing them for what's to come. Because when you look at the early church and you look at the, the early disciples and the ones who went out and shared the gospel of Jesus after his death and resurrection and ascension, there was, there was a lot of things that were said about them that just weren't true. There was things like this. There was accusations made on the early believers, accusations of cannibalism because they partook of the Lord's Supper. You know, Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood, and people would hear that and they would say, that's cannibalism. The early church, the early Christian church, they accused them of being cannibals. They also accused them of immorality because they practiced the, the practice of the love feast and it was taken out of context of what it was. You can see why. They, pra- they, they were called revolutionary fantasists. Revolutionary fantasies, because they would talk of this Jesus coming back from heaven, taking back what is his, a, a conquering governments. They were revolutionaries. They were accused of splitting families, because in this time of the faith, it, it wasn't easy to be a Christian. If you proclaim the name of Christ, it really did change everything about you, because you went from just living a normal, peaceful life to almost being hunted for what you were doing, so families would split. Husbands would give their life to Christ and it would cause a split in the marriage or vice versa. They were accused of splitting families. And then this one, the early church, especially the disciples spreading the gospel, were accused of treason because they would not honor Roman gods. They were accused of treason. And, And many of the early disciples weren't just accused of this. They were found guilty of these things. I mean, here's just a list of a couple of the early ones who started the church. When it comes to persecution, here's what some of the early ones faced. Peter was crucified. James was killed by the sword. Andrew was martyred. Philip, there's some disagreement on how Philip died, but it's 100% certain that he died because of his faith. Matthew was stabbed to death in Africa. Thomas died by stabbing at the hands of four soldiers, and James was stoned and clubbed to death for his faith. This is just some of them. This is what the early church was facing, this persecution that Jesus is speaking of. And there's this arc in Christianity. I want to walk you through it real quick. At this moment, when these disciples are giving their life for the spreading of the gospel and the spreading of the church, what is happening right here at the beginning of the arc is Christianity is the, like this new, unique thing. 
It's, it's not mainstream. It's not well-known. They're just branching out. And then things start to happen and the message starts to spread. And then it gets even more escalated when, when emperors make it the, the religion of the people. Crusades happen. And you see Christianity over the years, after this initial time, begin to grow and grow and grow. And it becomes mainstream. Accepted everywhere, almost. And it becomes more and more mainstream. There's this arc that's happening. And what Jesus is not just speaking to the early ones, he's also speaking to us, the church today, and the church that will come. Because that arc, and I, I believe this, and I've talked with Dan about this, this arc of acceptance of the Christian faith that seemed to have been going up seems to kind of be hitting a flattening mark. Where it's not that we're there yet, we're in persecution yet, we're facing the same things as these early disciples, but the ark seems to be changing direction. And he's speaking to us, he spoke to them, blessed are persecuted, but he's speaking to the church today. I wanna say something very clearly. The American church doesn't really feel this yet, but the church around the world does. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in other places do. This report from the year 2021, because 2022's report hasn't come out yet, says that around the world, 5,998 Christians were killed that year, up 23% from the year before. 5,110 churches were attacked or forced to close their doors, up 13%. 6,175 Christians were arrested without trial, up 44%. 3,829 Christians were kidnapped, up 123% from the year before. The church around the world is facing real life persecution. It's very interesting, in the last service, I preached this message and I encountered a man who introduced himself and he said, your sermon today told my story. He, He said the country he was from and he said, we fled here because of that. People are facing persecution for this. And I wanna just talk about the three main kind of ways we will see persecution happen. Three kind of main ways we'll see persecution happen around the world. The first one is this. You'll see persecution in the form of words and lies. Words and lies. First Peter 4.14 says this. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. People, when it comes to persecution, there, there, there might become a time where there's lies told about you. Words used against you to hurt you. I wanna make sure, once again, very clear, this is not just any lie. This isn't just someone lied about you to cut you in line at the grocery store. This is the kind of lie where people will begin to lie about you, say these words to you because of your faith. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness. When you pursue Christ, maybe these lies and words will start to happen. The second way you can see persecution is in the form of harsh treatment. Harsh treatment. Persecution comes in the form of things like shame. Shame. You'll be made to feel like based on your relationship with Christ, you'll be made to feel down or less than because of it. Be made shameful. And this is interesting to me because when it comes to the Christian faith, it seems to be now in culture standards the one religion that it's kind of okay to make fun of. 
It's okay to, to make people feel silly for their, their beliefs, their, their standing. It, you, persecution can come in the form of shame, this harsh treatment. It'll come in the form of exclusion, where you'll start to see people being excluded from things for their faith. You'll start to see things happen where you're, you're left out. Maybe the promotion, maybe, maybe it's something in real life, but you're left out because of your faith in Jesus. Some may receive physical harm, some may see imprisonment, just like the church sees around the world. But John 15, 21 says this, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. They will treat you this way because of my name. Now I wanna stop before the third point. I know for a fact, because it's dead quiet in here, some of us are a little scared. It's easy when you start talking about persecution to get worked up and be like, whoa, 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 like this is, this is a lot. This is a lot. I, I don't know, why, when I signed up for this, I didn't read to verse 10. I know it's easy to get worked up. I know it's easy to live life fearful and view this through the lens of fear, but I wanna say before we go any further, we should not have a spirit of fear. We serve the most high God the one that puts the stars in the sky, causes mountains to grow from the ground, fills the oceans up with one breath. We serve the creator God. And when you read the Bible and you see the persecution that will come to the church, that will come to the people of Christ, we do not have to live in fear because we belong to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the third form that persecution might show itself is in the form of death where persecution might show itself in the form of death, where people are already facing that We talked about the stats. People around the world are already facing this. Billy Graham has this quote when it comes to the American church and persecution. Billy Graham says this, while Christians in America have worshiped without fear or threat or physical abuse for their beliefs, thousands of their brothers in Christ throughout the world have been tortured and martyred for confessing the name of Christ. It's the truth. And I know this isn't like the most fun sermon, but it's the truth. And, and here's the truth. It is not necessarily right now the Church of America facing persecution at this scale. But if you read the Bible, eventually, could be our generation, could be the next generation, could be the next generation, we will start to see that. It, it says in scripture, it will come so what do we do? What do we do? How do we as Christians today prepare for something as heavy as this? What do we do? How, how, how do we live our life and not just look for the negative things and look for these broken things around us? And how do we live? I wrote down just four points that I think we can focus on while, while we're in our relationship with Christ that won't just help us daily but will help us if we ever find ourselves in a place of persecution. If we ever find ourselves in one of those situations. The first thing we need to do, point one, is we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. When the world and all this chaos and all this stuff is going around, and there's things like this going around the world, it's more important than ever that we continue to look and pursue Jesus Christ. Not the things of the world. Not all the stuff happening. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 says this. For our light and momentary troubles. Look at that. This is, these are people running for their life. 
for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. All the brokenness, all the hurt, even persecution, in the midst of persecution, if my eyes are fixed on Jesus and the eternal focus, I can get through it. I think of a story in scripture where Jesus is walking on water. He's walking on water and the storm is raging around him. He's walking to his disciples. And one of the disciples gets called by Jesus. Jesus says, get out of the boat. No thanks. Get out of the boat. Come to me. Disciple steps out of the boat. What happens? He walks on water. Can you imagine that moment? I would be like, woo! Look at me! That's why I'm not a disciple. Yeah, imagine that moment. And the story goes like this. The, the, the disciple is walking towards Jesus. And it says that his eyes are fixed upon him. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he would walk on water. But then, as the storms continued to grow and the waves continued to grow around him, he begins to take his eyes off of Jesus and look to the waves. Then what happens? Sinks. It's the same for us. I know you got chaos. I know you got hurts. I know you got struggles. I know that you are facing hard things. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk above it. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can stay afloat. But when you begin to look at the financial trouble, when you forget, begin to focus on the broken relationship over him, you'll begin to drown. This is what we're called to do, to keep our eyes fixed on him. And now, yes, we are not facing persecution like around the world in America. But if we ever did, it's not like we're just gonna wake up in the midst of it and say, okay, now I'm gonna keep my eyes on Jesus. It's something we have to learn. It's something we have to learn through the normal hardships of life and the normal brokenness of life. So when we face really severe hardships, we can keep our eyes on him, amen? Second thing we need to start doing now to prepare or just start doing now because it's what we're called to do is we need to not hide. We need to not hide. Matthew 5, verses 16 says this. So I'm gonna start in 15. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see the good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Culture. The world, I know it feels like, as a Christian, you're like, hey, just you know, don't talk too much about it. Don't, I, hey, it's okay if you're Christian, but just play in the background. Don't be noticed. As we get more and more, as we go and go and go, we are called to shine brighter, not dimmer.
in a world that needs the love and truth of Jesus, that it maybe even feels is pushing us to the background to not be seen or to not be heard, we have the light of Jesus Christ in us. We need to shine brighter, church. We need to love more. We need to serve more, and we need to worship more. We need to live our life in a place preparing for what could come. Today, learning to shine the light of Jesus. Number three, the third thing we need to do, we need to share the gospel. Share the gospel. Man, this is convicting sometimes. When's the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus? When's the last time you shared the truth of who Jesus was and what he did and who he is? I know this message, this message of Jesus, this message of his forgiveness, this message of his sacrifice doesn't seem to fit into the world today. Here's the truth. It never fit because it wasn't of this world. It's from heaven. The message of the gospel is not designed to fit into our earthly understanding. It transcends all of it. And we have been called to share the gospel. You are called to share the gospel of Jesus with people around you. In the American church today, we've especially become numb to this because we can come to a church this size and just assume everyone's saved. That everybody's heard the message. We, we can stop sharing personally our, the, what Jesus did for us because we've become numb to it. The gospel message is not overcomplicated. I know some of you are, but Shane, I'm just not, I can't speak like you, I can't talk like you. The gospel message is simple. God sent his son. Jesus came from perfect heaven, came to earth, dwelt among us, then went to the cross bearing the sins of humanity went to the cross and then died on the cross, but then three days later rose from the grave, conquering sin and death, creating a pathway for us to eternity in heaven with him if we submit our lives to him and repent of our sins and come before him in a posture of submission. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. We should never be numb to sharing this news. I know some of you are like, I just don't know what to do. I have a system that I do when it comes to sharing the gospel. I call it the three W's. So it's easy for you to remember. Three W's. First, where have you been? Share, where, where were you? What did your life look like before you gave your life to Christ? What did your life look like before you encountered the Savior, Jesus? Second, where are you now? What has he set you free from? What have you had to repent for and give to him? What have you had to ask for forgiveness for? And what's he doing in you now? And the third W, where are you going? Where are you going? How are you serving him? How are you continually growing in your journey? What's he doing in you? Where have you been? Where are you now? And where are you going? And the fourth point is this. As we prepare and we think through persecution and living a blessed life through it, we need to remember the promise. Remember the promise that is given in Matthew 5, the very next verse, verse 12. 
says these words. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice. You want to talk about counterculture? Rejoicing in the midst of persecution. Remembering the promise that your time here on earth and the troubles that we face on earth are small compared to eternity. They're small compared to eternal glory. And it's, it's important for us to remember this because if you really start to live your life counterculture, and you really start to allow Jesus to change, that was your last shot. One more thing. You really allow Jesus to change. People are going to look at you weird because this isn't normal. This is not how people view normal life. I hate to break it to you. You are not normal. You're not. And I know there was a spouse in here that said, see, I've been saying that for years. Where's my wife? She's thinking it. You are not normal. You're not. You were not put on this earth just to exist. You were not put on this earth just to survive. You were put on this earth to honor God with every breath you have. You were put on this earth to share the gospel of Jesus, to bring the light into dark places. You were put on this earth to live different, to live set apart. People may look at you and say, look at that weirdo. Amen. I'm a weirdo. This way of living might stop you in your tracks. It might change everything. People will look at you different. But that's how you're called to live. Amen? Close with this. Billy Graham gives us another quote on remembering the promise. When it comes to facing trials today, the promise we hold on to for eternity, Billy Graham says this. No Christian has the right to go around wringing his hands, wondering what we will do in the face of persecution, confusion, wars, and rumors of wars. We are to comfort one another with the knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming back in triumphant glory, power, and majesty. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you and we praise you. Pray that you would just imprint this truth into our life. That even when we face trials, even if we were to face persecution, we are blessed because we have you. And we have the promise that you've given us. Father, we love you and praise you in your holy name. Amen.